Uh, what I'm going to talk about in my presentation really is def defining it and some graphs and some discussion perhaps that might follow as to what we mean by affordable uh, in the context of the current um, uh, climate. Uh, I'll be talking about some recent histories, uh, some exemplars of good practice for affordable design, uh, uh, some of the design issues, because I think it's throwing up some serious issues about how we approach uh, the design of affordable housing and quality, and close with some of the challenges. Uh, but I thought we'd start with just a straight-off Google, what does um, uh, affordable uh, house, uh, affordable mean in a dictionary definition? And very interestingly, they, in item two, refer to affordable homes. Um, so. You know, the issue for us is what does reasonably priced actually mean? Um, how do we reconcile that with uh, what's happening in the market? And I thought I'd start by what um, is the definition uh, for affordability from the experts and uh, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation and Shell to consider that uh, anybody who expends more than uh, less more than uh, sorry, no more than 35% of their household income should be related to um, uh, costs relating to housing, heating and service charges. So it's quite a sort of clear definition from the affordable housing sector point of view. Um, I thought it was quite interesting to um, actually look at what the outcome of the mortgage market review uh, uh, is in that they've set out much more tight uh, lending criteria. And I did a quick back of the envelope calculation uh, which suggested that anything over 25% uh, would be deemed to be uh, uh, stretching uh, one's income. So I think you have some interesting sort of uh, perspectives on what constitutes um, affordability. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think affordability is all about who is it for, uh, what is the tenure, because there's so much uh, different tenures out there at the moment, and what does that mean? Uh, but it also is very significant about where, uh, where it is. And I think um, I did some sort of quick um, research on that. And if you buy a, 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 a three-bedroom house in Hackney uh, and uh, at 825,000, which I think was uh, grabbed from, from the website, compare that to Hartlepool, uh, uh, where you can buy a three-bedroom terrace house for 25,000 which is 33 times um, difference. Uh, those two areas, interestingly, have very similar social profiles, social economic profiles, so it all depends on where you, where you live. I've got a few graphs, I apologise for that. Uh, this one often used by the experts in terms of housing supply over the, uh, over the years. You can see um, the red line, which is effectively uh, national average uh, house price and you can see how that's climbed and um, supply has reduced. So there's a correlation between the amount of supply and the amount of uh, new homes uh, being built. Uh, and you'll, you'll know, of course, that 107,000 were built uh, in, two, in 2011. We're up to about 140,000 right at the moment, but well short of the, the, the experts' um, prediction that 240,000 are needed. Uh, another chart which actually shows um, that this hasn't been, this isn't just the recent occurrence, it's happened over quite a period of time that the amount of affordable housing being provided has never been properly met. 
the experts reckon 79,000 homes are needed in the social sector and have been needed, and you can see that we consistently fell short of that. Uh, the peak in 2011-12 at the bright end of that chart um, actually demonstrates just how influential the HCA funding program for affordable housing was to help us get out of the mire of the housing collapse. When private housing collapsed, um, the government stepped in and pumped large amounts of money to sustain the market, and without that, I would say that our uh, industry probably wouldn't have survived the uh, downturn in the recession. But just taking that further in the third and final slide, um, it caused the storm last year when the, when the government issued figures through the um, Office of National Statistics which showed almost the collapse of the provision of social housing. Uh, for those who, who know the, the terminology, the affordable housing, uh, the, the affordable rented program is effectively linked to the market, whereas the uh, social is linked to um, uh, the uh, subsidised uh, rental market. Uh, and the blue bars there are for social housing, the green for affordable uh, uh, rent, and the, um, the purple for intermediate. And you can see almost a collapse both in numbers, total numbers of affordable house, homes being built, uh, a drop from, I think, 60,000 down to 42,000, and a particular collapse of the social housing rent. Uh, some more statistics before we come on to design is about funding. This is all geared, I suppose, to some way, in some way to the reduction in funding during 2008 and 11. Uh, something like £10 billion of public money were put into the uh, uh, system for uh, subsidised housing. That's reduced um, in the first years of this uh, uh, of the coalition government of four and a half. They then allocated 3.3 uh, billion. So you can see the funding coming down, and as a consequence, the amount of investment in social housing um, grant effectively going down from what was 35 to an average of 23. But that's significantly lower in certain places like London down to 20-15% of investment. And now a lot of housing associations are not um, choosing to take up grant. Anyway, on to some of the design issues. Obviously, affordable housing is not just um, provided by housing associations who directly commission. It's also provided through Section 106 agreements, uh, which um, effectively were brought about in the 1990 Planning Act uh, which actually suggests that capturing value on the uplift of land uh, to pay for essential services, including uh, affordable housing. And of course, it's enshrined in the three pillars of sustainability referred to in the uh, MPPF. Uh, social um, being one of the um, key issues as well as economic and environmental. Uh, the issue of viability at the moment, which I'll come back to at the end, uh, being a massive constraint and um, whether the, the whole tri triangle of issues are viewed in balance, to my mind, is a big issue. So um, sustainable communities should be the aim. Um, a mix of different age groups, um, stages in life, um, rich and poor alike. This, this was the aim of the Sustainable Communities Programme. Uh, and I suppose you might say is why, why it makes certain parts of London very special, where you know, rich and poor live cheek by jowl. 
and it makes uh, a very interesting and rich place. And current policies perhaps mitigating against that particular issue. Um, I just thought I'd show um, uh, some precedents from the past and going back uh, to the 60s and 70s, uh, Park Hill there, um, typical concentration of social housing in one area, uh, a monoculture or a mono-tenure approach. Uh, obviously, we, we all know the uh, consequences of that uh, program. Uh, the, the, the top right is a typical reaction to what, what was then built during, during the 80s. We built low-rise, um, very secure, uh, and very um, distinctive social housing. You could tell a social housing scheme uh, uh, from um, its typology and from its design. Um, and then, I suppose, during the 90s and 2000s, we had, on the bottom left, um, regeneration programs where social housing and private housing was integrated and mixed, and uh, a genuinely mixed approach. And I'll put in a, a slide of our um, Argent scheme for King's Cross, which um, is a great scheme, interesting scheme, but it is monotenure uh, and quite concentrated in a single block uh, for um, housing uh, for um, one housing group, a housing association. So returning to higher density seems to be the, the, the direction of travel, and you could argue towards greater segregation. Now, I just thought I'd quickly whisk through some good exemplars, some, some schemes which really are, you know, cutting uh, edge in terms of approach. And we did some of the original master planning for the Joseph Roundtree Trust for this scheme, which I think is one of the, the greatest exemplars of urban extensions or extended communities, or I don't know how you would call it, but it's a large-scale uh, development of 500 or so homes on the edge of York. Uh, and um, JRF uh, involved Barrett, a private house builder in the process, but with a very strict approach to uh, uh, the design and the layout. Um, uh, Barrett proved to be an extremely good partner, and you can see the quality of design be very good, and you cannot distinguish where uh, the particular tenures are. There is 40% of tenure in this particular scheme, and you, you simply know, wouldn't know uh, where it was. And the, the developer was persuaded to build to uh, quality design uh, as well. So this is, um, and it's not in London, values are low, uh, and yet they achieved a quality outcome. Um, I did um, appreciate the, uh, the urban design uh, magazine featuring this scheme on the, on the front cover. Uh, great, very proud of it. it um, in fact, we went round there again to show some planners at Portobello uh, Square this afternoon. This is a, a scheme in London, North Kensington, and a master plan for a thousand homes, the first phase of which is now being built, uh, drawing from some of the um, uh, the typologies of the area of mansion blocks, terraces, um, townhouses and mews, uh, taking 500 uh, existing social units, doubling the density and reprovoiding uh, the uh, social housing in seriously mixed tenure uh, provision. And that particular terrace is one of the elements, a series of elements which are, are all quite different, but that particular terrace has a mix of social, intermediate and 
housing for sale, high value housing for sale, all juxtaposed and managed by a single entity. And that, that's a recreation of a typical London street that um, gives you some sense in which it, it, it in integrates not just physically with the fabric of the city but also socially uh, and um, very uh, well designed, I guess, and detailed too. Um, I thought I ought to refer in some way to the changing demographics. Um, it's a very similar issue in housing for older people as it is in housing for sale. Uh, the issue is that a lot of housing for older people is provided by either public bodies or um, housing associations who are all facing the same issue about how you subsidise affordable housing in some ways. So all of the, the schemes that we design have in some way a mix of tenure uh, uh, and um, are integrated in quite a, uh, an interesting way to um, whether it's an independent living scheme, an extra care scheme or a community village, there's always a, a, various, a, a varied tenure option. But in a single scheme, you wouldn't know whether one flat or one apartment was for rent or for uh, sale. And um, just to give you an example of a good practice for uh, uh, use of social housing or rented housing, this is Kidbrook, uh, which has been developed by Barclays. Barclays are using affordable housing for older people as their mechanism for dealing with Section 106. Very clever because it brings with it uh, community benefits. It's a benign contribution to development. It brings with it also the community uh, activity facilities which are often provided in such schemes. And in this case, it's fully integrated into the middle of the scheme. Uh, it's all affordable. High density, of course, can be achieved through you know, using multiple flats, one or two bedroom flats, uh, served all in the same way as a, a, a private home. Uh, uh, or I think there's some shared ownership in it as well. And it's brought forward into the early phases of a large scheme, again, built to quality and um, good space standards. And um, just another uh, housing for older people scheme, which is probably a bit more integrated into the urban fabric in uh, Bedfordshire, uh, in Bedford itself, um, a site which is very constrained by its context, but to, built to a very high density. Uh, but again, you can see the different um, uh, typologies there uh, laid out. Uh, again, a complete mix of affordable and sale, all integrated into a single building. Um, I did want to talk about the role of local authorities. We were having a chat just before we started and talking about um, optimism and hope in the current context of affordable housing supply. And it's a very interesting uh, period, I think, for local authorities who, of course, are now able to um, use their financial uh, uh, independence, um, albeit with a borrowing cap, to develop their own homes and an increasing number of local authorities coming to us talking about a defined affordable housing product which they themselves build. And that image was, of course, of Camden. Camden has very high values. Uh, it can generate um, uh, good quality. It loves its architectural uh, legacy uh, and is very protective of its assets. So 
Uh, on Maiden Lane, there were a whole series of infill sites that offered the opportunity for them to um, create uh, uh, new housing products. Uh, and they have now a mix of private housing in the tower at the back, all private, which they retain the freehold interest in, uh, intermediate housing of various sorts, um, and uh, affordable rent, I think. Uh, uh, I'm not sure whether they've got social rent but effectively it's an income generator for the local authority and they've done this using their own resources. Another example uh, is in Islington where in fact um, I think they still are or still have uh, an in-house architectural team uh, and that's pretty unheard of these days, local authorities having their own architects. I used to work in one uh, uh, 30 years ago but I don't know of many that have got an in-house team uh, but this in-house team designing uh, family housing, which they feel the market is not delivering sufficient numbers of, and developing it on infill sites in the borough, effectively rebalancing their stock. Um, in terms of other initiatives, if, if you want to know what's happening in uh, uh, good ideas that are happening, turn to Manchester. They're always first out of the blocks in terms of good ideas. Uh, they try to make their circumstances work in some way. Um, and they have large pockets of land which they are effectively retaining uh, and using pension, their own pension money to develop their own homes and a multi-tenure offer which generates income. Effectively a new housing vehicle which again is something that um, is being done by uh, a number of local authorities. And they've got a vehicle which I think is development management and sales uh, combination uh, with different partners who deliver uh, the homes um, and to a set specification which they've set out but each site is different and has a different uh, approach to uh, the delivery of uh, homes. But effectively um, they have accepted the fact that they have to build private housing alongside uh, uh, social housing and uh, that they are responsible for delivering the affordable rent in the city. Um, I keep referring to lots of different terms, terminologies, and in the article I think I mentioned just how much has changed over the years. Uh, in the last 10 years, um, you can see the, the sort of terminology having been sort of grown in, in lots of different ways in terms of new initiatives. Uh, it was very simple back in 2005. You had a social housing program, you had a, a private sale program, you did have the private renting sector, of course. Uh, you had specific uh, products for intermediate, which were largely to do with shared ownership uh, and um, some element of shared equity. So now you have a faster, a much bigger array, and I'll come on to talk about how that's expanding even further. Uh, a, a little bit later. So social rent is distinct from affordable rent in terms of the housing associations. You've got market rent coming in as a sort of bespoke and distinct uh, entity with build to rent or private rented sector. Shared equity is still there. Uh, a whole emphasis now on flexible tenure, so how can co-ownership uh, occur, uh, particularly with local authorities entering into the fray, how can the ownership be shared so that uh, at least um, those with, wishing to can get a foothold on the property ladder, uh, take equity and move equity around as their circumstances change. 
Save to Rent, um, another product that housing associations offer. Uh, Low-cost home ownership still there. Help to buy, of course, we all know how the government is subsidising, in effect, <coughs> home ownership. And then outright market sale. I'll come back to some of those issues later. Uh, and just sort of like building on that in terms of, you know, what's change, changing and what's changed. You do have some boroughs, and I'm, I'm working on this particular project in Lewisham, uh, which recognise that actually providing social housing or affordable housing for them is a disadvantage. They want as much value out of sites as they can get. They want footfall. They want a, um, a good economic case for their town centre to be regenerated. This is Lewisham Town Centre, apologies. Um, so, in effect, they're recognising that outside of certain areas, they don't they have enough sufficiency of social housing. And Manchester's like that. They've got more of it than they want. Uh, and so they're effectively um, providing a different form of tenure to uh, rebalance the tenures. I think Newham's a similar case in point. Newham will you will find we'll be emphasising private rented sector housing. Um, so uh, effectively this is about um, uh, how you facilitate build to rent and I'm sure lots of you know Fizzy Living which is effectively uh, an organisation set up as, a, an, as a, uh, uh, an addendum to a housing association delivering uh, um, housing for rent. Uh, and looking at how you invest and get a return on the um, investment. And that's generating new typologies. This is a private rented sector flat share arrangement with a double bedroom either side of a shared living room. And those are the sort of uh, kind of market rented products that are becoming available. Not, I wouldn't call them affordable. Um, very interestingly, I'm sure lots of you know about Pocket, uh, so-called because of the size of units that they uh, design, uh, effectively 35 to 39 square metre single room uh, units, which um, are aimed at a very specific market in London, which is, and specifically in London, which is really geared to affordability. So the whole design, the whole construct, the financial package is effectively geared to affordability and to people on incomes of about 40,000 uh, and effectively an outturn cost that arises from uh, that income uh, available to um, uh, derive a mortgage. Um, high quality specification fit out, very good design quality. We work with Pocket and they are fastidious in their approach to design, uh, but effectively a covenant uh, that works that if the occupant buys it and wants to sell it, effectively the value is pegged by the fact that he has to sell it to another uh, person who uh, uh, is of similar circumstance. And that's covenanted through planning. Very clever. Um, and that leads on quite neatly to starter homes. I think when I wrote the article, this hadn't been formalised, but um, you know, we now see some of the detail, not all of the detail about starter homes. Uh, it's been welcomed um, very cautiously by the house builder, or house builders of course, and feels uh, a, a lot of housing associations see it as uh, a threat to them, of course, because this emphasises home ownership. Um, and a, a lot of concern amongst uh, the professions about how you integrate uh, starter homes into schemes, and uh, it might be worth having a discussion about that. But I set out the criteria there in terms of you know, what um, uh, 
uh, the expectations are, what the detail is at the moment. The difference between this is effectively you can sell this to the open market after you've uh, spent five years in it, which effectively means that whoever buys this is uh, getting a huge boost in value after a five-year period. Local authorities, of course, are extremely concerned because Section 106 and seal requirements are, are not levied. Uh, that's how they uh, claim that the uh, discount can be achieved. That, of course, deprives local authorities um, in great way from investment in infrastructure, social and otherwise, including, of course, the provision of social housing. So uh, it actually uh, effectively um, reduces the amount of housing for rent that can be provided as a consequence. Um, it's effectively subsidising home ownership. I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, interesting responses to this uh, as we go through. But you know, just going to the house build, the house builders are worried about it because it actually might drag the values of their own uh, standard product down. Uh, I'm sure you all saw the prospectus that came out before the election uh, which advertised this. This is Terry Farrell and um, Quinlan, uh, Quinlan Terry and um, create streets and you know, lots of traditionalists advising that you know, a good standard product with a very appealing and traditional approach can be delivered. We question this because of the quality um, that will be, I think, driven down by the need to discount. And we'd be very surprised if some, some of the schemes that are shown in their perspectives can effectively be delivered. And in fact, they're totally misguided because the scheme, um, which is a very nice scheme on, on the right, um, effectively homes there are in excess of £500,000. So, you know, they're advertising properties that just simply don't fall in the price. Okay, I'm going to go very quickly through some of this um, issues. That in fact, I won't. Uh, I will talk about affordable quality very quickly. Um, I think some of the issues that we're finding now are how you get to simpler, much simpler solutions to design. Much more pressure on quality uh, coming through. Uh, these are all great schemes, award-winning schemes, but um, probably can't be delivered under the existing regime at the moment. And so we need to move to much simpler solutions. Uh, and you know, that is a rigour in affordable housing generally. Housing Standards Review, of course, um, took out the d distinction between different tenures. So tenures were uh, ignored. Uh, everything in building regulations or a space standard which applies across tenures. I think it's a good thing over the lifetime of a home can, sh can, can change tenures. Look out for the National Housing Federation's forthcoming Housing Standards Guide, which I think is going to be published uh, in the new year, early in the new year. How you move from a pattern book and you know, get some standardization into products, and this is how we're advising some of our local authority clients at the moment, uh, that can then be driven down to uh, standardize some of the elements within it uh, and achieve cheaper, effectively cheaper and faster and better quality. Uh, uh, that's the aim at the moment for affordable housing providers and using simple materials, simple construction, and detailing it carefully. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm on my last um, uh, leg now, you'll be, you'll be pleased to know. Changes, the housing and planning bill, massive uh, changes coming through, emphasis on home ownership, as you know, 
Uh, the budget announcements are coming forward uh, very soon. It will be very interesting to see if any money is allowed for the affordable and social housing programme, other than going to starter homes where subsidies might also be provided. And um, will social housing survive? And we know this government's um, ideology is for uh, no social housing. Um, there'll be a resurrection of affordable uh, or of shared ownership. I've talked about trends of greater tenure flexibility already, more co-ownership models, uh, more land owned by local authorities being, being, being built. But I can see social housing as a concept uh, uh, disappearing. And viability, massive issue at the moment, um, which is also constraining supply. Um, affordability in London, everybody knows that starter homes in London probably won't work uh, because of the price um, point that they're aiming for. Uh, much more segregation, I think, and leading to poor door outcomes, uh, particularly in London where separating out um, social housing uh, from high value, tall, dense, developments where overseas investors uh, don't want housing uh, for social purpose next to it. Um, lots of issues around um, the latest announcements about the housing associations had to put them on pause, a very strange situation that the government has now engineered where housing associations having to take stock because of the right to buy and rent reductions, dispose of high value council stock, all of which just sort of denudes the amount of social housing provision. I'll leave you with that statistic. Effectively, um, if you are to build the number of social housing or affordable housing units in London that it needs, or housing in London that it needs, uh, that's the scale of the um, ambition that is needed. And um, we're seeing a bit of that from the GLA. GLA very sympathetic to some of the uh, issues that we're concerned about. One in four homes in London is built by uh, housing associations, so for them to slow down is a, a, a major problem. Uh, and just last slide, I mean, Ken Loach in 1966, of course, did The Cathy Come Home, a uh, film which will lit up the whole housing uh, world as an issue. Um, of course, highlighted the issues around abuse in the private sector. Uh, housing recognised now is a major issue, but are we... Uh, really concerned about the poor and the disadvantaged and the lower, people on lower incomes uh, um, is, is, and will there be and can there be and should there be a review of that um, there's likely to be some kind of hiatus I guess before the next election about this particular issue.